Welcome to The Brief, brought to you by BVO2. Today's guest is Jarrett Lachlan. We're talking about holistic assessment and what it could mean for education around the world. Hi, and welcome back to The Brief. This week's episode, we're going to be talking with Jarrett Lachlan. He's a leading authority on holistic assessments and models for education. Welcome, Jarrett. Welcome. Thanks for having me. So, lots to talk about, but let's start with what is holistic assessment? What does that mean to you? Well, in short, it's really taking a comprehensive look at, uh, at assessment by uh, making sure we're assessing learning in the, not just in the school, but in the home, and in the community, and on the land. So, so tell me about your background. How did you get to here, and, and how did you get into the space of working in, in this, with education around holistic assessments? Well, I got uh, introduced to uh, First Nations uh, Inuit and Métis learning uh, uh, through actually working with the Assembly of First Nations. I was, uh, took, a, took an immediate job, knew really very little about uh, what was the, some of the challenges and the impacts, I think, like many people in Canada. Uh, but after working with the Assembly of First Nations and their Education Secretariat, I did uh, do some work uh, with the Canadian Council of Learning. And when I came to that organization, it was a non-government, national organization. Um, in Canada, we don't have, we're actually one of the very few countries that don't have uh, a national body on education. We have, they're all governed by provinces, so the only ones that are really putting uh, uh, provinces into account for what they're doing are the provinces. So it was this idea of having this national body to measure and monitor progress in learning across Canada. One of the domains that was a focus was in Aboriginal learning. So they asked me to come and, and lead our national work on education, or sorry, on Aboriginal education, to say how can we look at different approaches to monitor and report on Aboriginal learning. So when I first got there, the, we were doing a big state of learning report in Canada. The first state of learning report in Canada we, we've done. And, uh, and I was asked to write a chapter on what is the state of Aboriginal learning in Canada. So my quick, uh, I took that back for a second and then uh, came back uh, to, to my CEO at the time and said, you know what, I think what I'd like to do is just say in this chapter, is say we don't know. Uh, we don't know the state of Aboriginal learning in Canada because we haven't been asking the right questions. So in many ways we took a step back before taking a step forward. We, we went back and, and went out across Canada and talked to and uh, had workshops with First Nations and Inuit Métis education experts to say how do we define success? Uh, what does success mean uh, for, for communities across Canada? And, and then the result of that was a, a series of holistic lifelong learning models that we developed there, which now have really produced the foundation of a lot of the work I do uh, with, with Aboriginal communities uh, in terms of shaping that reform, in terms of shaping that look of, about uh, holistic learning and education. So your work with CCL mm -hmm. was, was quite revealing. Uh, what are some of the challenges, the you know, immediate challenges and long-term challenges you saw come out of uh, the engagements there? Well, we often refer to the achievement gap in, in Canada and, and across the world. But in Canada, that achievement gap being uh, that the graduation rates for Aboriginal people in Canada is, uh, is only about 40%, uh, in contrast to non-Aboriginal Canadians, which are around 80%. Um, but when we try and look at approaches to measuring success, what we want to do in a holistic approach is go beyond just measuring graduation rates. We need to measure uh, and take a more comprehensive look at what constitutes learning for First Nations, Inuit, and Métis peoples. What's changed dramatically in the last 20 years? We've gone from paper-based models to in-classroom groups to uh, yearly rollovers of educational mm -hmm. reform involved in assessment. What's not working or what hasn't worked in the last 20 years and why is holistic assessment going to change that? 
Well, another way of looking at this is what, what is going to work. And what we've been working on is, uh, is formative assessment, a real focus on formative assessment, which are, which are assessments that make sure that we get quick and immediate feedback uh, to teachers and parents uh, so that they can inform their instructional practices. So we've been using our holistic approach to engage in formative assessment to really create uh, an assessment approach that recognizes uh, the unique cultures and context in which children are learning. Uh, so they're personalized assessments in that way. And that's a real push beyond, uh, beyond the boundaries around what assessment has been in the past years. One of the things about assessment that, that I see, and we read all the time about how assessment either too much assessment, not enough assessment, um, it's not giving us what we want. How is this holistic model that you're trying to approach affecting change? What are we seeing it do that's, that's making a difference? Well, I think in the example of the work uh, we've been doing uh, together in, in Saskatchewan, one of, the, one of the key principles we're working on is, is every child's different. Uh, and every culture has its own unique approach to, to learning and education. So we need to personalize that approach uh, to assessment. We need to personalize... Yeah, well, personalize how? Well, one of the big challenges, if I step back for a second, one of the big challenges is a lot of, uh, a lot of educators are, are purchasing assessments that, mm -hmm. that are done and produced by, uh, often in the states, by elite academics or organizations that produce things in the states. What I've seen too, too often in, in Canada is uh, educators use those assessments and as they're implementing them, they either don't speak to or, or at the worst case, uh, incur a lot of bias. Uh, to the results uh, hmm. around assessment, just the nature of the questions, the nature of, of, of the way those assessments are derived. Uh, so it's like a comprehension, so the questions are asked, but they're not really relevant to, to the area or to the community, to the region? To the culture. The culture. Uh, or to the culture. I mean, all those things. So they're, they're often contextually or culturally uh, some sort of bias there. It's not just that they might incur bias, but the actual, the bigger problem is, is that teachers see that uh, as they implement them. And when they get the results, they don't use them. We spend, uh, one of the big challenges was we spend lots of, every minute we spend doing assessment is a minute away we take from teaching and learning in the classroom. So we want to make sure every one of those minutes is, 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 is involving assessment that's going to matter. We're not just measuring for the sake of measuring. Uh, we want to make sure that those assessments matter. So if, they, if the teachers are going to take those assessments, uh, they, they don't feel confident uh, and the results are seeing, and they throw them away, and they don't inform the practices. Um, there's no point in doing them. So we want to make sure assessment uh, is important. So we want to make sure we're developing good assessment that's contextually and locally relevant for all cultures and contexts of the kids that they're working with. How is technology playing a, a major factor in that? Yeah, it's a good question. Technology is actually crucial to, to the holistic assessment approach we've been trying to implement. Uh, good formative assessment means that we get we feed back information immediately back to, in our case, not just teachers, but in our case, uh, parents uh, who have been involved with assessment immediately. Because that's really going to make sure it informs the instructional practices in the schools, informs what parents are doing with their child. So they, the way we deliver the assessment through an iPad, we're collecting thousands of information. Uh, and it's fed back uh, the next day. So we can have that conversation if we have a, a scheduled interview with the parent uh, we do the assessment on Tuesday, we can have an interview with a parent on Friday and say, hey, remember what we did uh, earlier this week? I'd like to show you some of the results. And they are just flabbergasted at, at some of that impact, that we can turn that around so quickly and that, that the teacher can turn that around so quickly and, and, and work with the child. Because when you get that data back, 
in the hands uh, of teachers and uh, parents immediately. Mm -hmm. uh, it helps uh, impact the way they intervene in their classroom. It helps inform their instructional practices, which is what good assessment should do. That's an amazing opportunity to get data back into the classroom Im immediately. Visualize that and, and all of a sudden the parents and the students and the, the, the teachers and the community know what's happening with the child. But that adds a lot of stress to the education currently, the education process. So what are you giving the classrooms or what are you giving the parents or what are you giving the community as, yeah. as an outcome to help them make a change with the child? Well, what we often say is this is much more than an assessment. Uh, so really, the, our, our process doesn't start and stop with that assessment day. So after the assessment, uh, we provide a series of uh, online uh, tools, visualization tools that let teachers, parents, and elders visualize the information as they see it coming forward to help really inform what they're, what they're doing in the homes and in the communities and in school. So they get to immediately see some of these key ind indicators of success, not only about the child, but actually benchmark them uh, uh, across across not only the classroom but uh, across the province. So not only we're we letting them uh, visualize this information uh, after the assessment, but we we're connecting the results to action. So we're connecting the results to a series of learning activities that that as you say, parents can log in and see and do in the home. Simple everyday activities, everyday learning activities that that uh, parents often are already doing themselves. They just don't recognize it, but that they can do uh, simple things like. While you walk to school, talk to your child, count the steps along the way. Um, simple things, everyday activities they can do. And at the same time, providing a list of learning activities that, uh, for teachers uh, that help build best practices across, uh, across the different divisions and organizations. Um, so they really provide those, those resources for teachers and, and for parents to help inform what they're doing with, uh, with the child, uh, but really connected to the, to the outcomes. So it really looks at the information and drives people to focused activities they can do. That's amazing. Are you seeing some change happen? Well, when we talk about big reform, we don't see changes tomorrow. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, these things uh, take time and they take a lot of investment uh, in, in many ways, not just financial, but investment uh, for governments, for organizations to make that step. But uh, what we're starting to see in, in, in a project we've been working on in Saskatchewan is where we're now into our fourth and fifth year into, into some of these different assessments, we're starting to see the impact of some of those holistic approaches on student achievement. Um, and without getting into too much of the detail right now about what that means is uh, those that have been involved, those students that have been involved in, uh, in one particular school, for example, that have been involved in our holistic assessment approach um, we're starting to see improvements uh, in, in that year immediately and in the following year when they enter uh, into grade one, we're starting to see improvements on, uh, on language structure, uh, reading assessments, different also writing screens, as well as even math, even though our assessment at this point only focuses on oral language. We're seeing sort of that impact in which, in which uh, it's really having a broad, um, a broad increase in student achievement. I know you're involved at the, the board level, and I know you're involved in the community level. Just give me one story, one story about how you've seen change happen based on this. Because I know you come back constantly with these conversations saying, oh, I just got a message from uh, the principal and this happened, or I got a message from a teacher saying I've never seen such change before. So, so give me one example of that. Um, I'll give you two. Uh, the, most, the two most important people in terms of impacting change are the parent and the teacher. So I'll give you an example of each. 
Uh, from the teacher's perspective, we've been involved in the holistic assessment uh, approach to change. And often we have some reluctance from teachers to say, yeah, I've seen this, I've seen the Jarrett's of the world come around, and uh, I've tried it before and nothing happens. Uh, sh short story here is we sort of engaged with her, explained a little bit about what we were trying to do, a leading educator in her field. Um, and it wasn't until she's seen it in action, until she saw this holistic approach in, a in action that she said, you know what, I've learned so much more about my child and the children that I've been teaching, more so than I've ever been able to, that, that I don't even need to see the results of the assessment. Uh, I, know, uh, I know what I'm going to do already after an eight-minute uh, assessment and dialogue one-on-one -on -one with the child. So that was amazing to hear. The second assessment, I guess, with, with parents is by, in, by involving parents in this assessment process, uh, what we hear so often from them is thank you. Thank you for asking me. Thank you for engaging me in this, in this approach. Because um, no one asked me my opinion around, around what I do with my child each and every day in education. So we need to not only identify it's important, but give those parents the tools to help make the change we want to see. Is there a willingness to change or is it a hard thing? There's been a, there's a strong willingness to change, I think. There's a strong, uh, more recent, but strong understanding that, that our traditional approaches are not going to work, uh, that we need to change. How to do that, I think, has been the challenge. Uh, so I think many organizations, school divisions, school boards across the country are looking at what are some of those successful practices. And we've had many of them approach us to say, this is, this is something we see working. So how can we get involved? What do you see the future of this being? What is the future of holistic evaluations or holistic education? Well, in terms of assessment, I think what we're moving away from are standardized assessments and toward more of these formative assessments. And I think this holistic approach to assessment has really enlightened us, but it's really enlightened many people that have been in touch with this around the importance of taking uh, such a comprehensive view. And, uh, and what we've also seen is, although we started with the roots of, uh, of the need for indigenous uh, learning and this understanding, um, is it's brought into families, communities, beyond those cultures, beyond the context, to say, really, this is an approach to education in which resonates with us uh, and resonates with, with uh, students and learners across Canada. So I think there's a vast opportunity for this to actually change the landscape of assessment, to, not just in Canada, but across the world. Well, Jared, thanks for joining us today. Uh, this conversation could go on for hours. Um, I know you've got a great blog that you've been starting with uh, 20 or 30 different posts based on what we're actually talking about here, uh, more details on how to get started and engaging with it. Uh, we'll, we'll put those links below. Um, thank you very much for joining us today, and uh, I look forward to hearing from you and continuing this conversation. Thanks a lot. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Brief. If you want to be a guest on the show, drop us a line. To check out more episodes, visit bvo2.com.